If you did not get a prayer book last week, the, the prayer books that we are giving as gifts to the participants in this class, um, Rich has some, and um, we had plenty left over from last week, so I think we do have enough for one per person. And as I mentioned, if you weren't here last week, this is a gift from the clergy and the vestry as a way of encouraging all of us to begin using our prayer books at home. And I did mention that there was a bit of a fire sale that allowed us to buy these because these bindings are not as, um, not as good, I guess is the best way of putting it, as the second and third printings because if you really misuse the book, it will be very easy for the binding to break. But that can be easily fixed. But this also gave us a way to give everyone one for their own. And if you got one last week and you left it at home, that's fine. Just grab a prayer book out of the pew. I want everybody to have a prayer book in their lap today for this teaching. Okay. So um, before we get into how to navigate this rather complicated book, uh, I want to lay a little foundational um, information. So, how many of you are familiar with the term a rule of life? Okay, I see most of you. Okay, great. So, what do you think regula means in the Latin? Literally. Anyone want to gather a guess? Anyone? Okay, well, it doesn't mean rule, okay? Um, it isn't like a set of rules or things you're supposed to follow. It actually means structure. And I thought this was really interesting when I discovered this because um, it's a guidepost or a railing. And the way I like to think of a rule of life is I have this picture in my mind of I have this beautiful clematis in my garden. And when I first started growing it, it started growing on the ground. And if I hadn't taken the time to put up a structure, you know, in other words, a trellis, and guide that clematis on to that structure, the beauty of it would never have been seen. It would have just been this weed vine. All of us have vines that, you know, they're weed vines that crawl around the ground and they start like um, strangling the flowers. Do any of you have any vines like that in your garden? If you're gardeners, I do. But instead, there's this beautiful trellis that has this gorgeous flower on it that's just spreading. And the reason it's able to be beautiful like that is because it has this structure in with which to bend itself to. And that is why the early monastics, in particularly Benedict, chose the word regula to describe the practices, the monastic practices that he describes in his uh, rule of Benedict, although he wasn't the first one to do that. So it's a structure for us then in order to incorporate spiritual practices into our lives. And again, spiritual practices, we call them practices now. 20 years ago, we called them disciplines. Um, we still, some people still call them disciplines, and they are disciplines, but practices is kind of a better word because it kind of implies we're practicing at this. And also, when you think of disciplines, sometimes you think of, oh my gosh, I have to not eat any sugar, or, you know, the things that are, like, 
you know, not maybe, doesn't put that great a thing. But um, I like Richard Foster's um, definition of practice. Uh, he calls them the means by which we place ourselves where God can bless us. And I really love that because if you have a spiritual practice, you need to always be asking yourself, why am I doing this? I'm not doing this to make myself a better Christian. Well, not in that term anyway, th those terms anyway. I'm not doing this to, to um, impress God or impress other people. I'm doing this because I want to grow close to God. And so you need to develop practices that help you grow close to God. And that doesn't have to be just having your personal daily quiet time, or although that I recommend, but it can be things like regularly taking a walk in the woods or regularly listening to some Christian music or even reading really good books because they give you a deeper appreciation for the human heart and creation. So, um, so these are, this is how a good way to think about practices. But the daily office is the foundational Anglican practice. And so we're going to be talking about that this morning and how we can begin to navigate this book. So does, do any of you know why it's called an office? Well, Rich asked me, and I didn't actually know, so I had to look it up. And it comes from the Latin, uh, divine office, or officium divinum, and that means the official office of the church. That's all it means, it's official. It is a standard. It is something that we, that has become a standard practice in the church. Uh, this is back, going back to the early church, um, probably uh, after uh, the Edict of Milan when worship could become public and there became public uh, cathedral services, morning and evening. And that was the beginning of the offices. These cathedral services were most likely masses, but they took place in these big cathedrals like in Milan or morning and evening. And one of the things I love from the Confessions, if you've ever read Augustine's Confessions, he describes going to these daily church offices at morning and at evening in Milan and listening to Bishop Ambrose speak. And he said he had never heard words like that. He had never, when Ambrose spoke his thoughts, it was intimate. This was something that was very different from the kind of more official kinds of uh, ceremonies that might have taken outside of the church. But we know that Augustine attended those two offices every day in Milan. And so we know that this was a practice, and those were called cathedral offices. And those took place throughout the, um, the Middle Ages and still to this day in many Catholic churches, there will be a morning and an evening mass. Um, I, I think like at St. Mike's, for instance, I'm pretty sure they have mass every morning, okay? So, um, and this all derives from uh, Judaism. Uh, we know, for instance, in Psalm 55, the psalmist says that I will pray um, morning, evening. Oh, I, it, Psalm 55 says, I will pray in the evening, in the morning, and at noonday. So we know that this was a practice in Judaism. We know it was a practice at the temple in Jerusalem uh, up until the time of Christ, until the temple was demolished, that they had 
the temple offices um, were at, um, uh, they, were, they began with morning sacrifices and evening sacrifices. And we know that there were set times when people prayed during um, the day. Um, it was called the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour. If you've ever seen that in the New Testament, for instance, when Peter went up to the rooftop to pray, um, I believe it was at the sixth hour. It might have been the third, I'm not sure. But anyway, but this uh, was the third hour was 9 a.m., the sixth hour was noon, and 3 p.m. was the ninth hour in terms of our time, if you want to think about how that goes. So these times also became associated with the events in the life of Christ and in the events of the church. For instance, um, Jesus was crucified at noon at the sixth hour, and Pentecost, the morning of Pentecost, arrived at the third hour, 9 o'clock in the morning. So this kind of pattern of morning, evening, or morning, noon, and evening is just like built into the framework of worship for Jews and for Christians. This is not just something, it, it's just a part, it's iconic almost. I don't know how to describe it. It's just a part of the existence of being um, a Christian or a Jew in the early centuries of the church. And of course, these practices continued into, uh, with the synagogue worship. So that's why they had these three hours of the prayer and how that developed. And then we have the monastic hours. And that is a little different. We had the rise of the monastic movement. The first monk that we really know about is Anthony of Egypt. Uh, he was born in 251, and he was what they called a hermit. The early monks went off, and they lived all by themselves. But then around the middle, early third century, there was a monk called Pacomius, and he developed this idea that monks should live in community rather than living by themselves. Now, the thing about the hermits, you have to realize, is that it wasn't like they never saw anybody. It was just that they lived alone, and people actually came to them and asked them for prayer and counsel. This is a practice that's continued in Eastern Orthodoxy to this day. Um, so he developed, uh, Pacumois developed this monastic rule, and then this was further developed by Benedict. And this was a monastic vision centered around the idea that we pray without ceasing. So Benedict um, actually established prayer, perhaps this was even earlier, but we know this from the rule of Benedict, uh, eight times a day. So they woke up at 2 a.m. in the morning, and they prayed every three hours through the next 24-hour period. And of course, this is true today if you visit a monastery. Um, but what happened with this was that um, we had these cathedral offices and we had these monastic offices. And in the Middle Ages, um, as the church became, um, I would say, more and more corrupted in terms of clericalism, when the priests did everything and the people just kind of watched, um, these kinds of practices were far removed from the people. And also the practice of going to Mass twice a day, there was problems with the Mass by the time of the Reformation because it had become very superstitious. Actually, many people never even received the Mass at all because they were afraid to, because the, the uh, priests kept talking about if you, drink, if you eat or drink this. Well, they weren't allowed the cup at all, but they were afraid of being damned to hell if they actually uh, participated in the Mass. So we see this whole beautiful system not 
being what it once was. And so in the Reformation, um, the first with the German Reformation, they did away with the two masses a day in the cathedrals and in the churches in Germany. And instead, they developed this idea of just doing morning and evening prayer. And they borrowed from the monastic offices in terms of the content, because the monastic offices had this whole system of, you know, you, you read through the Psalms. Um, I think Benedict, it was once a week, you read through the entire Psalter. Um, then it was like you read through the entire Psalter. So they took a lot of these elements of the monastic offices and incorporated them into their offices of morning and evening prayer, which when we come to Cramner, you know, son of the Reformation, he had been in the continent for many years prior to when, before King Henry VIII made him archbishop and before King Henry VIII died. When King, as I mentioned last week, when King Henry VIII died, he was already with his prayer book. And his, uh, the daily offices in the first prayer book were only morning and evening prayer. And by then, there were no monasteries anymore in, um, in England. Henry VIII had taken them all over. But he wanted that idea of morning and evening prayer to be something that just not monks did, but everyone did as a part of a spiritual practice. Because um, Cramner wanted people to learn how to pray. He wanted them to become familiar with the scriptures. He wanted them to understand this biblical idea of praying without ceasing. So in the 1552 prayer book, it even indicates that there was a bell rung in all the villages where everyone came to morning prayer, and then later the bell was rung, and everyone came to evening prayer. This was the primary way in that time that people heard the word of God, just like going back to Augustine, listening to Ambrose, reading in the cathedral. Here were very much simpler people, many of them perhaps couldn't even read, listening to the word of God every day, twice a day, and often there was also sermons that accompanied that. So um, we have adopted this in our prayer book. Um, this has come through our Anglican tradition. And there's a couple of problems with that. Um, you know, uh, I'm going to pass these out. If you promise while I'm talking, you don't look at them. But they are um, a little, you know, I said the title of this was going to be a framework for common prayer. And I started to do a handout. And then I realized, you know, this just really needs to be a booklet that people can tuck in their Bibles. And then also, we're going to press out these, um, Jim, if you wouldn't mind just making sure every, um, our little monthly insert, because those two things will go together. So there were, so this practice of fixed hour prayer. It is, it is really supposed to be, again, a part of a way that we can create a structure for our devotional life with God. And if you have never done this before, I suggest you just begin with one prayer office a day. Um, morning prayer, evening prayer, noonday prayer, whatever is the best time of day for you that fits into your schedule, and it's a regular time of day, you think you can do this. Now, Father James last week gave us a wonderful introduction about how he came to use the prayer book, how helpful it was to have these written prayers that directed his mind towards God, 
and yet he was still able to have time for extemporaneous prayer and how um, he felt like this book was much better than guideposts or some of the other, or daily bread or some of the other things that we use. So, but when, for years, I have, my ribbon is rattling. <laughs> um, for years, <laughs> for years, um, you may have noticed I always had these little prayer booklets in the back, and that was my way of adapting what's in here for daily use. Because this, you open this up, and this looks so complicated, especially if you're not familiar with it. Like, okay, so there's like the daily morning prayer. It's like, it's like 20 pages. You know, I'm not going to pray 20 pages out of a prayer book in the morning. Um, not to mention that it wouldn't give me time to just really just pray or do silent prayer or meditate upon the scriptures. So there is a way of using this where you guide yourself through these pages. But I had created these booklets, and I realized I was kind of babysitting people. And this is also back in the time when we had common worship, which common worship did not have a prayer book like this. Um, it was just a bunch of stuff that was online. Um, I think there was a prayer book, but it, there was a daily, there was a few things that would help you, but it wasn't like this. It wasn't like using the book in the, in the pew, taking that home and using it during the week. But now that we have our 2019 prayer book, and we're post-COVID, um, part of the reason why James and I uh, decided this would be a great little session to have was that so people could learn how to use this. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And it does not mean... It gives you the structure, especially if you do three times a day, of bringing you, giving you a, a framework to build your life around God, your, build your day around God. But it doesn't mean that we don't still pray spontaneously during the day. It's just a help, a reminder that that's what we're supposed to be doing during the day. And also, as James put last week, it's all here for us, and it's a guide, and it helps us learn to pray. Now, next week... Anne McCarthy is going to be talking about the collects and how they've helped her worship. Then the next week, Brad Cathy is going to be talking about the canticles and the psalms, how they help. So we want to make this personal, too. But today is going to be um, just more or less a how-to. So there are a couple of terms that I just want to get out of the way um, before we get too far. And... Um, well, there, the other thing that's really hard is, okay, so there's 22 pages or something. What's nice about that is you have lots of choices, but how do you maneuver the choices? And that's what I'm going to try to help you with today. Um, the second thing about it is that there are these terms like antiphon, versicle, all these like weird terms that if you're not really familiar, um, like an antiphon, you know, I actually have to look it up myself. It is a text of scripture said or sung before or after a psalm or canticle. And then there's this word, suffrages. Um, these are these prayers, and it comes from the Latin suffragium, which means support. And so what a suffrage is, is in, we open up morning and evening prayer with what we call the suffrages, and that is a plea for help, a plea for support. And I really hope that as we use our prayer books, we can get that idea of this isn't rote, this is our pleas that God would support us and give us grace throughout the whole day. 
So I really like that that's what that means. Um, so these little booklets, now you can open them, okay, and open your prayer books. So there's some stuff at the beginning, especially about the lectionary, that if there's time, I maybe will go over that, but I'm not going to talk about that right now because you can read this. But what I really want to draw attention to you is that in the ACNA prayer book, we have four daily offices. We have morning, midday, evening, and compline. And I've described here kind of what the purposes of those times are. But the big thing I want you to see is these red, in red here, the essential structure of all the daily offices, and I'm on page one, include each of these sections in this order. So there are five sections. And if you were here last week and you remember we read that little excerpt from, um, from the early church describing the prayer office or the, the, the gatherings that they had from Justin Martyr, it actually still follows this. This is, again, this is kind of a structure that's built into the worship of the church, which is preparing ourselves, preparation and confession, and then praising God. So Justin said we all gather and then we sing hymns, and then we hear uh, testimonies from the apostles. Okay, well, that's readings from your Bible. And then the, we say prayers, the prayers, and then the closing prayers for grace and thanksgiving, which kind of comes along with Justin said, and then we, we are all sent out. So that's what the closing prayer and the benediction does. It sends you out into your day, whether it's morning or evening. So when you open your prayer books, I want you to keep these one, two, three, four, five sections in mind. And so let's turn to, we're just going to go through morning prayer, and then I think it really all this, so I can show you how to use this booklet. So let's go to morning prayer on page three. And I've kind of color-coded this for you. So the section is in red. And again, even when you're praying on your own, you can think of these four things. You can think of preparing yourself before God, starting out with praising God and thanking him, reading, your, reading the word of God, primes you to pray. That's what I find reading the word of God first does for me. It primes me for praying. And then you pray, and then you, you say some sort of closing prayer. And this is just exactly what you're doing in the daily office. So um, if you are doing morning prayer on page 11, what? so these are their sections, and then there is a worship step in the prayer book for each section. So the worship step for morning prayer begins with pray one of the opening sentences of Scripture. So if... I really recommend that before you start doing this, you actually sit down with this booklet and develop a plan for yourself. So that you're not going, now which one or which, I mean, you might want to read through, read through all the different choices in terms of content, maybe mark, you know, with a pencil, the ones that you really want to use during this period of time. Uh, but whatever you do, choose a, a set of, of um, prayers and psalms and canticles, et cetera that you will regularly use for at least a few weeks so that you can get into a pattern of understanding this. I have also left room on the back of this for notes. So like in pencil, you might want to 
um, begin by saying, well, for, you have three choices here for what the opening sentence of scripture would be. Um, and for myself, I like, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be always acceptable in my sight. Um, you could, in pencil, make a little mark there. Remember, this is not being, um, abusing your book if you're doing it in pencil. This is for you, okay. <laughs> Wouldn't recommend doing it in pen, though. Um, or you could write on the back of here, I am going to use, let the words of my mouth or something, however you want to do it. But you choose what you want for that wor first worship step. Then the next step is to confess your sin, sins. Now, the daily office is in the traditional language of the 1662 prayer book. Because again, for a lot of people in the ACNA, they love that prayer book. They continued to use it up until the time the ACNA was even formed, or, or until the ACNA even um, uh, issued this prayer book. Many people still continue to use the 1662 prayer book. Um, that's one thing that's nice, nice about the ACNA, which is different from the Episcopal Church, is we say the bishop can decide which prayer book for a diocese he wants them to use. So some of your more Anglo-Catholic uh, diocese might still be using, I don't know, 1662? I'm not really sure. But anyway, because it is in this language, um, I have found I prefer the confession that's familiar to me, which is the one that we do on Sunday mornings. So I've actually given it to you here as an alternative. Um, and then we have asked for pardon and peace. Well, we have the priest says, you say this. I mean, again, a bunch of choices. So I just wrote into here what, what is, makes it just easy so you don't have, or else you could also just um, find, um, it's the last one is basically what it is in terms of the confession of asking for pardon and peace. Okay, then we come to a step that I have asterisk. And that's because these services were adopted. Okay, so there's another thing that is, makes this complicated in that this book was adopted. Um, I mean, Cranmer wrote it. He didn't really probably picture people in their homes with their own little prayer books praying this, at least at the time of the Reformation. Perhaps he did. He wrote it for corporate worship. So... There are all these um, versicles and antiphons I mean, that is to, are to be read responsibly. And when you're doing it at home, if you're doing it alone, sometimes that's not really as effective. It feels like you are maybe responding to yourself or something. So in particular, those are the ones that I have actually asterisked as optional, um, but you are welcome to use them. But just keep in mind that you will be uh, hopefully changing the, um, the possessives from our to my, if you're praying alone, or the personal pronoun from we to I, so that this is for you know, your own home use. So I have here that the opening antiphon on page 14 um, is a option. Now, the antiphon, it seems kind of funny, and then I say go back to page 13, and that's because antiphons are supposed to be prayed twice. They're supposed to be prayed before and after, uh, whatever. It's like a, like a framework, you know, like there's a, or a, a, I don't know, bookends. There are bookends on each end of the psalm, the antiphons are, each book of each end of the prayer. But I do recommend you um, 
pray the inventory on page 13 because I think that is a really beautiful way of inviting God and also um, centering yourself towards this prayer that you are to begin. So that's the preparation. And so in the preparation, we have these um, four steps that I definitely recommend by the bullets, praying one of the opening sentences, confessing your sins, asking for pardon, and then finally praying the inventory. And if you choose to use the antiphons to bookend that, you are welcome to. So now we move into the praise section of pr this prayer time. And there are some customary prayers that are prayed, uh, canticles, and one of them is the Venite and the Jubilate. And you can choose between either one of those if you would like to pray a portion of a psalm as an opening way before you go right into praying the psalms in the Psalter. That's exactly, that's essentially what this is. But then you are to pray the appointed psalm. Now, I think you also received one of these. And this is where I'm going to talk about the lectionary a little bit. So we're making these every month and putting them back there. And even though, even if you're using your prayer book, you have all this information. But I'm finding, even though I use my prayer book, I use this. Because when it comes to um, praying the psalm or praying the collect of the day, it's just easier not to have to go to page 7. Um, I think it's 798. Uh, no. I'm going to put this on the website, yes. I'm going to put on the web. There is a catechesis website. Jennifer is going to get it up and running. Right now it just has the titles, but she's going to get that. We talked, and we're going to have for each week, we're going to have the video, the podcast, and the handouts. So this will be up on the handouts. And on the website also, this uh, if you go to prayer, I'm I'm going to make a little I'm going to make another outline just of what I've talked about today and put that up on the website because I think that will help people find things too. But if you go to um, seven fifty, let's just go to seven. I think it's seven thirty eight in your prayer book, and you see these. This is these lectionaries. Okay, so I just find. That And I explained the lectionary in that handout, so I'm, maybe I'll get to that in the end. But I just find not having to flip to the back of my prayer book to find what I'm going to read for the day is helpful. And then also, um, as I mentioned, there's a one-year lectionary, which means you read through the, um, the one-year lectionary. This lectionary that you see here is designed that you would read through most of the Old Testament in one year and the New Testament in two years. Excuse me, <laughs> two times in a year. You would read the New Testament two times in a year and the Old Testament one time in a year. And you would go through the entire Psalter every two months. That's what this is, and that is if you read what the scriptures are chosen for morning prayer and for evening prayer. So a lot of us like, I know I, I like the idea of reading the Bible continuously. I think it's really, really important. Um, just to have a complete knowledge of scripture, but I find reading that much scripture in a year would be difficult for me. And it isn't just that I don't want to take the time, but it's more the way I like to read scripture, which is slowly and meditative. So I use what they 
offer as a two-year plan, which is reading that whole lectionary in two years. And so all you do is in the even-numbered years, you, you do evening prayer side. In the odd-numbered years, you do um, morning prayer side. But that doesn't really work for the Psalms, because then you're skipping Psalms all year. So, um, so then the easiest way to do that is to just work through the Psalter um, in the bits that they have for the 60-day, and that becomes 120-day. And so that's what I've done on this handout, is make reading the Psalter possible without having to kind of try, try to figure where you are. So this hopefully will be helpful for you if you tuck this in your prayer book or your Bible or ever how you, if you want to follow the ACNA lectionary. And there's a lot of wonderful reasons to follow the lectionary, and one of them is that we're reading the scriptures together. And often, like, we've been in Zechariah, and I wanted to go up to somebody and say, what do you think of all these weird visions in Zechariah? You know, <laughs> so, I mean, it's just a way of, even if you run into people in church or in Bible studies, you can talk about what you're reading, you're all kind of reading the same thing. So really consider this. So, okay, so that's what this is. Also on the back is all the collects of the week. So when you come to pray the collect, it's right here rather than having to find it at another place in your book. Okay, so worship step. Praise, opening canticle, and appointed psalms. You pray the appointed psalm, and you can easily find it on this. And every psalm ends with the Gloria Patri. And to save space in the booklet, it was really hard if I had to repeat that every time, was to just at the beginning of the booklet, under the Psalter, I have always conclude your readings of the psalms with the Gloria Patri. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And you can do this after every psalm you read, if there's more than one psalm or you can do it after all the psalms. Now, why do we say this Gloria? And we, of course, we do this in our corporate worship also. And I read somewhere where it says, this grounds us in the idea that our worship is grounded in our relationship to God, who is um, Trinity. God is a communion of three persons. And it, I just thought that was really beautiful, that this is a way of saying, I'm in relationship with the triune God, who is also relationship. So I thought that was really beautiful. But anyway, you always end the Psalms with the Gloria Patri. Okay, so that is that section. And then you come to the reading from your Bible. And simply read the appointing readings from the daily lectionary. If you want to say a canticle before and after, and remember again, this has been designed for a 45-minute worship service in church where people are singing hymns and singing canticles. So there's lots of singing. Um, this isn't necessarily something you need to feel obligated to do at home, is to pray a canticle before and after. Because we're adopting this for personal use. But if you would like to, um, there are the choices they give you here. Um, the Benedictus is one of the traditional ones that is sung after um, or before a gospel reading in morning prayer. I, I personally love the Te Deum. But as you get more acquainted with the prayer book um, and using it, I would encourage you to go and look at the supplementary canticles um, that I've noted are on page 79 to 88. And you might find one that you really like and you would really like. And again, these are all parts of Psalms. 
that you would really like to pray that every day before you read the scriptures. So um, this can be a really nice practice, a really nice way of opening yourself up to the scriptures. Um, I have a few that I use in the supplementary that I really like. And again, um, Brad will be talking more about that. So um, the Apostles' Creed is said in church after the reading of scripture. And then there's also a sermon if it's an evening prayer service often. Again, that would be optional for home use. Then you go to the section, Collects and Personal Intercession. So um, you go to page um, 21. And you have, um, of course, if this was in a church, you would say, the Lord be with you and your spirit, let us pray. That doesn't maybe work so much at home unless you're praying with your family. But um, so I instead, I say the Lord have mercy and the Christ have mercy, which is actually part of the Jesus prayer. And um, I, I practice um, the Jesus prayer in um, my silent prayer. And so I often will do this at that point in morning prayer or maybe just a brief moment of silence. But for me, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, that's just like a grounding, grounding in my soul. Um, and then it says pray the Lord's Prayer. Again, you don't need the prayer book to do that. You could just follow this. And then pray the suffrages. And those are on page 21 to 22. And I already talked about what a suffrage is. But there's another way you can use these suffrages, which I often do, and that is you can use it as a way to order your intercessory prayer. So when it says, O oh Lord, guide those who govern us, you may want to pray words for our civil and, our, um, and the leaders in our church. Um, clothe your ministers with righteousness. Clergy always appreciate some prayer. <laughs> But ministers is actually not just clergy. You guys are all ministers, too. Um, let your people sing with joy. Bless your inheritance. Defend us by power. Perhaps there is some ways in your personal life right now where you feel that you need God to defend you. N not, nor the hope of the poor be taken away. That is also another way of um, maybe perhaps to begin to pray for, for people who... Um, we have, and then take not your Holy Spirit from us. Or you can just pray these, but um, they are, I love the suffrages. Um, it is a wonderful way to frame your prayer. Then it says, pray the collect of the week. And that's where you maybe would just, okay, the, pray, the collect of the week this week is the week of Sunday, October, it's right here. And that is meant to be prayed every day. Um, then there are the other collects which you could pray. You could pray, perhaps you would like to pray the collect for peace. It doesn't have to be just on Tuesdays. Or the collect for mission. Um, you may decide that there are some of these collects you would really like to pray. Um, or you may wish to just pray every day what the collect of that particular day is that's listed on page 22. And then you can pray any additional collects or occasional prayers. And again, this is after you've gotten used to this, perhaps familiarize yourself with some of the occasional prayers at the back. I found when I was struggling with this illness, I found a prayer for the sick in the occasional prayers. And I wrote that down on this little sheet for myself. 
to pray that every day at this point. So there are many prayers in here that can aid you uh, in just being able to, sometimes we don't have the words when we hurt. And God gives us the words and also gives us the perspective that we need, the heavenly perspective that we need and whatever we're struggling with. Um, and then you pray, okay, so that, and then at that point, the next step is offer personal intercession and praise. So that's the next worship step. That was what James was talking about last week. When, oh, there's a place where I can just pray my own prayers. Then the final worship step is closing prayers for grace and thanksgiving. And we have this beautiful prayer of thanksgiving um, on page 25. It is a wonderful way. I love this prayer. <laughs> Uh, again, this just becomes a part of you. It is such a beautiful prayer to pray every day. Um, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts, we may show forth your praise. Um, it's, just, it's just really beautiful. Um, I also pray the collect for grace. In the 79 prayer book, that was at the end of the morning prayer services, so I think that's when I got in the habit of doing that. Here, if you read these little, all these italics are directions. It says customarily this has been prayed every day. Um, but I just put it here so you don't have to flip back in your prayer book if you don't want to. And then pray the closing benediction, which is on page 26. So hopefully, now that you've seen this for morning prayer, you can see in each of the prayer offices there is a similar pattern of in red is the section in bold is the worship step, and then what's not italicized are, is where you find the content that you need. So, questions. <laughs> we have like four minutes. Yes? Two, oh, two minutes, okay. Well, if any of you have questions, please, um, please email me. I, I really mean it, and I will be glad to answer your questions, okay? Yes? about 30 minutes. It doesn't have to be that long. I mean, some days it's 10. Some days I may have a meeting and I just kind of postpone the scripture reading to another time of the day and I will just pray some of the opening verses and I will always pray every morning that collect for grace. That's just the way I frame my day. So you, you decide how much time. It's not a rule. It's like for some people, 30 minutes would just be too much, and it would be not helpful in their relationship with God, because these aren't rules. This is what can you do that will help you grow closer to God? What is the kind of framework you can put in your life that will help you grow closer to God? Yeah. The, the, the last is optional. Yes. Well, I, I say it's optional because it is those elements were put in there for corporate worship and for a longer period of prayer. So if you want the minimalist's guide, the minimalist guide is to ignore all the asterisks. Just do everything that is not asterisk. That's your minimalist guide if you want to do the whole thing. Okay. I'm sorry, it, we don't have enough time to do all this, but I really wanted to give you the background first before we got into the how-tos. So please email me with any questions. Thank you.